want to welcome you today to the continuation of a series we've been in together called Thread the Needle. We've been looking each and every installment of this series at a particular interaction that Jesus had with a very devoted young man who said all the right things, but ultimately was unwilling to follow Jesus where Jesus was calling him to go. The title of this series, the thinking behind the series, the foundation for the series is all pulled out of this one interaction that is unequivocally significant. And it's significant as we've been discovering for those of you who've been here and those of you who've been here the last couple of weeks online, in person, watching the pod, uh, watching on YouTube, listening to the podcast, however you've been consuming this, you know that this is significant because, well, it's one of fewer than 30 interactions, fewer than 30 stories in the whole life ministry of Jesus that is mentioned in at least three of the four Gospels. But this story finds itself in Luke's Gospel, finds itself in Mark's Gospel, and also finds itself in Matthew's Gospel, which would say to me, would say because of the influence of the Holy Spirit would say to the mind of the biographers as they were writing this down that this interaction was significant. So we've been circling around it over these many weeks and today in this installment I believe that the Spirit of God wants to give you the same invitation that Jesus gave to this young man. Join us. I think ultimately the impetus behind this, the reason it's here, I know that we've spent some time looking at lots of different details that are significant, that help bring our mind to understand, to help stir our heart. But quite honestly, the whole point of this story, the whole reason we are circling around it is because the same invitation that Jesus extended to this rich young man, he extends to you and to me today. Join us. Because for those of you who do have some familiarity with this story, maybe because of the last few installments, you would know that Jesus gives this devoted young man the opportunity of a lifetime. But he passed on it. Jesus looks at this devoted, wealthy young man and says, come follow me. And this young man, the scripture says, walks away sad because, well, not because he's not devoted, because he's devoted. Not because he's not religious, because this brother is the religious man's religious man. Like, not because of these things, but simply because of his stuff. He had a lot of stuff that mattered to him, and that stuff mattered to him on such a great level that he found himself turning away from the call of God. He found himself passing on Jesus' invitation to him and saying, nah, when Jesus said, join us. And so today again, we're going to read this interaction. Today we're going to read from Matthew's gospel. And particularly, we're going to read from Matthew's gospel out of the message translation. I have been reading these stories to us, this interaction to us, out of a variety of different translations to help us, again, just 
get a different picture. And Eugene Peterson's message translation of the scripture does such a great job of helping to encapsulate all that is going on and communicating it in a way that us as Americans, us as English speaking people can comprehend. So let's read Matthew chapter 19, starting in verse 16, this interaction again as uh, Jesus and this devoted young man interact. It says this way in verse 16, another day a man stopped Jesus and asked, teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? Jesus said, why do you question me about what's good? God is the one who's good. If you want to enter the life of God, just do what he tells you. The man asked, what in particular? Jesus said, don't murder, don't commit adultery. Don't steal, don't lie, honor your father and mother, love your neighbor as yourself. The young man said, I've done all that. What's left? Well, if you want to give it all you've got, Jesus replied, go sell your possessions, give everything to the poor. All your wealth will then be in heaven. Then come follow me. That's the invitation. That was the last thing the young man expected to hear. And so, crestfallen, he walked away. He was holding on tight to a lot of things and he couldn't bear to let them go. As he watched him go, Jesus told his disciples, do you have any idea how difficult it is for the rich to enter God's kingdom? Let me tell you, it's easier for a camel to gallop its way through the needle's eye than for the rich to enter God's kingdom. The disciples were staggered. Then who has any chance at all Jesus looked hard at them and said, no chance at all if you think you can pull it off yourself. Every chance in the world if you trust God to do it. Maybe you'll have this experience in this holiday season. I know that for those of you watching this at church online, those of you joining us in some uh, connection to the time this is happening, we are about to enter the holiday season here and uh, Maybe you'll find yourself at uh, parties and, and dinners and meals with family, friends, a few enemies, loved ones, some not so loved ones. But you'll find yourself talking to people and sometimes they'll reminisce. Sometimes they'll talk about the good old days or just simply talk about a previous time in life or previous time in the family. And you will find yourself exploring moments where maybe you were in a different spot. Places when you made decisions and uh, those decisions led to another decision that led to another decision and whoop, here you are. Sometimes it's in spaces like that that for me personally, I can start to think and I can start to dream and I can start to wonder. I wonder how my life would be if I would have done that. Do you ever do that? I wonder how my life would be if I would decided to go to that school instead of the school I went to. I wonder how my life would have turned out if I would have taken that job instead of the one I took. I wonder how my life would have turned out if when we had the opportunity to move to that city, we would have moved to that city instead of the city that we ended up moving to. Do you ever play that game? Do you ever just think and ponder and wonder for a minute? I wonder how things would turn out. I know I do. And I think for many of us, we do. Not because we don't enjoy life as it is. Not because life as it is isn't good for us and good to us. But because the mind just wonders when it wanders. This devoted 
young man, I, I wonder about him. Not in this particular moment, but in his recollection of this moment. Because let me clarify for you, for those of you who may be new with us today, maybe you've forgotten this reality of it. This is not a parable that Jesus told. This is not a story that he made up. That would be the Good Samaritan. That would be, as some people call it, the prodigal son. That would be the lost coin, the lost sheep. That would be these types of things. Those were made up stories. This was a real interaction. There really was a devoted young man who asked Jesus a question, got a response he was not expecting to get, and decided to reject Jesus' invitation to join us because of his commitment to his stuff. I wonder if later on in life, he found himself thinking back upon that moment. I wonder if he found himself later in life wondering if he made the right decision. I wonder if in his devotion and in his religious fervor, if he ever heard about the work of the us, the disciples, going and literally turning the then known world upside down, communicating the good news of the gospel of Jesus, that Jesus loves them, that he has fulfilled all that God has, has asked and expected, that he is the way, he is the truth, he is the life, and that salvation is found in him. I wonder if this young man ever wondered, ever pondered. I wonder if he ever wished that he had taken the invitation given to him and become us. Because that was Jesus' invitation. Yes, go sell all your stuff. And we get tripped over that, but we've talked about that in the last couple of weeks. You can go listen to that and go watch that again if that's still tripping you up. Here's what you need to understand. Jesus extended the invitation and said, come follow me. Come be with me. I need you. I want you. In the, come with me. Not your faith has made you whole. No, no, no. Come follow me. Walk with me. Learn from me. Be with me. Be a part of what I'm doing. But he didn't. Can I tell you something today, friend? Wherever you are, I don't care how young you are, how old you are, I don't care where you may live, you may live in the Memphis area, you may live in another city, you may live in another state, you may live in another country. Please hear me. The same invitation Jesus is making to you today. He's extending his hand to you and saying, come be a part of what I'm doing in the earth. I invite you to share I invite you to give. I invite you to serve. I invite you to build. I invite you to invite. I invite you to care about what I care about. I invite you to bring my love and bring my grace and bring my message wherever you may go. Come follow me. The invitation is there. But our response to that invitation is not just some mental some emotional, I'll do it. The response to that call specifically for you and for me today means that we join us. It means that we start living generous. And we have learned over these last few weeks a reality I must bring up and bring home again today. That being generous isn't about your heart. Come on now. 
It's about your habits. Being generous, as we've been saying, isn't about your heart. We're entering into a season of time where people will talk about acts of generosity. The problem is some people's acts of generosity are confined to three or four weeks in the late part of every calendar year. That's not what I'm talking about. This isn't about your heart. This is about your habits. This is about day in, day out, week in, week out. Come follow me. This isn't even about giving one time. I know today, if you're joining us at Church Online in this season, it's our vision offering day. That's great. We've talked about it. We'll talk about it some more. But it isn't just about giving one time, even in a vision offering. It's about giving consistently. 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 Generosity is a habit, not a heart. For more than three years now, we have served groceries to people uh, in significant ways. Consistently. I mean, we do it at least once a month and we partner with organizations, uh, businesses throughout the city and often we'll do others throughout the month that serve people groceries consistently. And... Uh, now what we find with our grocery drive-throughs is our line is very, very long, very, very early. In fact, for the last few months, we have actually had to stop accepting people into the line 30 and 45 minutes before we even open the line to start serving people. That's how long it is. And I have received calls, we've received emails from other organizations, other people who do these similar types of things from time to time. And they ask, you know, what's the wording you use in a Facebook post? You know, how do you share this on TikTok to be able to really drum up the interest? What, what are you putting in your press release? And I tell them, baby, it ain't none of that. The reason our line is so long, so early is because of our consistency. People pull up and they know they can count on us. If they check our website, if they see something online, they are able to know these people gonna come through. It may be cold, they gonna be there. It may be hot, they gonna be there. It may be sprinkly, they gonna be there. It may be windy, they gonna be there. They are gonna show up, they're gonna serve me well. They're gonna treat me with dignity. I am gonna be celebrated for being there, not be treated as some uh, byproduct of somebody else's benevolence. No, 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 they're gonna treat me well. And they've done that consistently over time. So now the line gets real, real long because we don't just appear in the season of giving we don't just show up because somebody wants to take our picture and call us generous but what's interesting is now that's actually what they call us generous i've interacted with a lot of people i've never met in the last many weeks as i often do particularly this time of year having conversations with them, particularly around Christmas Palooza and the work that we're doing to serve kids toys. And it's interesting how many people I find out know about us. They say, oh yeah, y'all are that church on Summer Avenue. I always see a line around your church. I always see people, now granted, here's the thing. There ain't always a line around our church. 
I be showing up on Tuesday morning at 7.55 in the morning. There ain't no line. <laughs> there ain't no line in the parking lot. I'm just coming into work. But their perception, because of something they've seen consistently, is that these people are generous. See, there's a point I need you to see there for yourself. If you'll get consistent, you'll become generous. Some people believe generosity is some great single act of strength. It's some individual moment. It's some crazy step. And maybe sometimes those can be that. But the generosity that we are invited into, the generosity that Jesus says, come follow me, come join us, is an invitation to day in, day out, week in, week out, generosity. It's a living that way. It is what we model through these grocery drive throughs Can I tell you? Because I really wish we could serve more people than we do. The need is great. When I recognize that we have to cut a line off before Diva, I, I recognize that like, like the need is great. And uh, one day we will do more. One day we'll be able to serve more people. One day we won't have a grocery drive through a month. We'll have multiple grocery drive throughs every month. And I don't believe that day is too far away. But can I tell you something? Our consistency. For those of you who participate, those of you who give to make it possible, your consistency has done so much. Because see, I can look at what we're able to serve and look at the need and the amount of people that aren't able to be served in, an, in a given week, in a given opportunity and think, oh, we're not doing enough. But when I take a look back a little bit and see that we've been consistent week in, week out, month in, month out, year in, year out for years now. Can I tell you something? We've done a lot. I ran some rough math on it and we have served in the neighborhood of 17,000 households over these years of doing grocery drive throughs in the neighborhood of 17,000 households, okay, not individuals, households, catch this, about three quarters of a million pounds of food. That's significant. That's a whole lot of pantries being filled. That's a whole lot of kids that wouldn't know where their next meal is coming from that mama now is able to cook because she came to the grocery drive-thru. That's a whole lot of people that were able to have stability in the place they were staying because they got some help with the groceries. That's the people that didn't have a car get towed off their driveway because they were able to make the car payment because they got some help with the grocery bill. That's a whole lot. And it doesn't look like much when you see it be consistent. But if you stay consistent, you'll look back and go, look what God did. Look what God did through us. Look what God did through you. Can I tell you, that's the power of becoming generous personally. See, I think sometimes we look at our ability to be generous and don't feel like it matters that much. Because we know our income. We work part-time, man. I'm a full-time student and a part-time employee. Or, man, I'm on, a, I'm on a fixed income. I can't give that much. Or, you know, I'm, blue, I'm a blue-collar worker. I'm an hourly worker. I don't really make that much. And we don't feel like it's that much. You miss the power of consistency. 
Because you have no idea when you look back three months later and you've just been faithful, given every time you got paid. Or you look back at the end of the year. Can I tell you, every year we send out uh, through our accountant uh, giving statements that show and communicate to people what they've given. I get one of these because my family, we give. And sometimes I, I look and go, man, I wish we could give more. I wish I could give more. I wish I could have given more. Than this. But then I look back over a year and go, my goodness, we gave a lot. And I don't say that with pride. I don't say that with arrogance. I say that to tell you the power of consistency. It doesn't look like much in one installment. It doesn't look like much in one donation. It doesn't look like much in one interaction. But you get consistent. You stay consistent. You stay in that habit. And you look back in a few years and go, look what God did through me. But too many people, here's what's true. Too many people, I told you this is a series to challenge us to celebrate, and we are about to celebrate, and we're going to really celebrate next week. But it's also a series designed to sort of convict us a bit. This might convict. Too many people are cool with acting like fans rather than living as participants. We like to do that we fan talk. Look what we did when actually it's y'all. Sports fans are funny people, man. And I speak this over myself, okay? I'm a sports fan. I have teams, I have individuals that I love to follow. When they're playing, they, like, like it's it. Like Grizzly games are, 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 to the best of my ability, must-see TV. I know we're struggling. We're going to be all right. Don't worry about us. Like, uh, but they're must-see TV. You know, there are, there are certain uh, football games. It's like they must see TV. Is Tiger Woods is hitting a golf ball? I don't care if he's hitting it in his backyard. It is must see TV for me. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I, I do this. And as sports fans, we have this vernacular that we will say sometimes, right? Maybe you are a sports fan and you've said this. Maybe you know a sports fan and you've heard them say this. They'll say stuff like this We need to be better on defense. Man, we got to get our offense going. Man, we need to hustle. Come on. Hustle, hustle, hustle. I get it. They'll talk about what we did on the court, what we did on the field, how we played in the game. And it's funny because um, who is we? Because I don't think you sitting on your couch with some cheese dip on your shirt is we. <laughs> You're an observer. You're, you're a fan, but you ain't a we. Because we who on the field made sacrifices. I mean, if, if, I, you know, if, 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 if that was me, that's the way I would feel. We on the field, man, we, 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 we were doing two-a-days to get ready. We were doing rehab seven hours a day to get back on the court. And now you talk about we ain't playing hard. No, 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 no. We. We. I don't think it's... We, did you lift one weight? Did you go through one practice? Did you do one shooting drill? We as sports fans love to talk about we, don't we? We did this. We did this. We need to do this. We didn't do that. We, we won the title. <laughs> we'll act like it's us, but it's actually always them. Here's the turn. A lot of people of faith, a lot of people in churches act just like sports fans.
particularly around the work of the church, particularly around the generosity component of the church. A lot of people would rather be in the proximity of generosity than in the practice of generosity. A lot of people would rather be around a space that is generous, around other people who are generous, than to personally practice generosity. And you might find yourself, if this is you, even saying, look what we did. But was it we? Look what we do through the grocery drive-thrus. Okay. But do you give with any kind of consistency to enable the food that gets purchased to be purchased? Look what we did through Christmas Palooza. Yeah, we served a lot of kids, but, but did you give anything significantly or sacrificially to enable that to happen? Was it we? Because let me tell you, there's most definitely a we. All that God does through believing, all that he does through this church or any church does not happen because of any individual. It happens because of a we, because a we pray and because a we serve and because a we give, because we do this. But are you a part of us? Are you? Or have you just become comfortable celebrating what we do, knowing there's an invitation made to you. But you said, nah. Nah, that takes too much time. Nah, I work too hard for my money. Nah, my, my, my generosity wouldn't make that much of a difference. See, the problem is, I think many times, if you'd be honest, you walk away just like this devoted young man walked away. Eugene Peterson's translation here of Matthew 19 says he walked away crestfallen. Some of the translations we've read have said he walked away sad. He walked away despondent. Because he knew he wasn't really a part of us. He may have said, but he knew he wasn't. He had an opportunity but he wasn't. See, I wonder how you walk away. Do you like to say we because it sounds better? But the truth is in your heart, you're sad because you know you could have helped make that possible, but you didn't. You know you could have served. You know you could have given. You know, you could have gotten in the habit. It may not have seemed like much, but over time it would have made a difference. And more than that, it would have brought you into we. Because Jesus' invitation to you is just that. Join us. See, today that's my invitation to you too. To have new habits. And to join us in generosity. To join us living generously to join us and increase the ability of this house to serve to give to bless baby there's proof and I'm gonna show you so much proof and more next week of what God has done through those who have made the decision to practice the habit that is threading the needle
This is your invitation. Join us in generosity. See, well, what does that look like? Well, I'm glad you asked. Would you write a few things down in your notes today? Generosity is the habit of trusting. That's what generosity is. Generosity is the habit of trusting. To explain trust in the simplest form, trust begins where certainty ends. Whenever I move one step beyond what I know for sure, I now begin to trust. I'm not trusting if I know. I'm not trusting if I am sure. I'm not trusting if at the end of it all I can do this a little bit. No, no, no. Trust begins where certainty ends. Once I have run out of what I know for sure, now I begin to trust. If I step off of this stage that I am on, well, I am certain I'm going to be held and I'm going to be okay and I ain't going to break my ankle up here on it. But if I decide to step off of it, I am trusting either that I'm going to float. <laughs> I'm trusting that I am coordinated and strong enough to take one step to the ground and not break my ankle. I'm trusting some things because I'm no longer certain of what it is I know. Trust begins where certainty ends. Because the reality is if I know for sure, I don't need faith to trust. But if I don't know for sure, that's where faith comes in. See, Andy Minio said it one time really well. He said, uh, the opposite of faith isn't doubt. It's when I got it all figured out. Shout out to that bar. The opposite of faith isn't doubts. It's when I think I got it all figured out. And the problem with some of us, the reason that we won't join Jesus, we won't join us, we won't become generous is because we will move from what we have figured out to what we don't know exactly. We have to move from what it is I can control, what it is that's under my management and under my ability into something I haven't quite figured it all out. This is why when we return to God the tithe, doesn't matter how much money you have or make or don't have or make. It always comes first. Whether you have a one-digit income or a ten-digit income. It comes first. He comes first. Because it's the place and the practice of him coming first that... Um, well, it enables this trust to become necessary. And all generosity is, is the habit of trusting again and again and again. I don't know how it's all going to work out, but I'm going to trust. That's what generosity is. Generosity is the habit of trusting. Write this down. Generosity, as I speak of it, is the habit of trusting God. Can I tell you what I bet's true of you? Because I know it's true of me. I love to follow God. I love to do for God. As long as I'm still in control. Right? I, I mean, I, I genuinely love to do things for God. As long as I can stay in control. This is the way this devoted young man processed and lived his life. He even said, I've done all the things. What else is it that I need to do? 
But he never expected that trusting God would require him to give up control, to give up certainty for himself. But that is actually what makes it trusting God. That's me. I resonate with this. Do you? That um, I do anything for God as long as I'm in control. I give anything as long as it fits in a budget, you know? I mean, I experience that every single year, particularly at this time. Because at this time of year to do Christmas Palooza like we do it, we, we have to raise tens of thousands of dollars, 30, 40, 50, 60,000 dollars from outside sources, not to mention our own church's investment in order to make this thing go. And man, some of the partners that we have, some of the sponsors that have rocked with us for a few years are the best because they understand that. And they're like, hey, we're with you. We're cutting a check. Here you go. And, and other people like you call and you call and they're like, we're in. And I'm like, great. But are you really in <laughs> like and we send emails and we follow up and we visit and like, ah, oh, and uh, it's because to do this is out of my control. If it was just a line item in the budget. I would feel very, very different about it from a faith perspective. But uh, it also, to a certain extent, would take out my need in this season, my need in this work to trust God, to say, God, you are our source. You are our provider. You have come through. So by faith, I believe you will come through. Generosity is the habit of trusting God, of stepping out there into something. I don't necessarily know how this is all going to work, but God, you will come through. See, I'm, uh, I'm good with doing whatever for God as long as, uh, you know, nothing too bad will happen. But the promises of God are not for clear paths and paved roads. The scripture tells it to us this way, that God says, when you walk through the fire, I'll be with you. The fire. <laughs> when you walk through the flood, it will not overtake you. When you feel like everything around you is burning to the ground, I'm going to be there with you. When you are drowning beneath what you are in, you better know I will hold your hand there. Trusting, even though I don't know how we're going to make it. But God. Can I tell you something, friend? You don't trust God if you know how it's always going to work out. If you always know how it's going to work out, if you always know how it's going to end, if you always know how it's going to come, then you don't necessarily trust God. Because from the foundation of our faith to the foundation of our finances to the foundation of our future, this is true. I know what he said, but I don't know how it's going to work out. I know what he told us. But I don't necessarily know how it's going to come through. I know what his word says. I know what his invitation to me was. Join us. I just don't know. It's because generosity is the habit of trusting God. It's the habit of, write this down, trusting God completely. See, the truth is most of us trust God to a point. 
We trust him with our eternity, but not our today. We trust him with our morals, but not our money. We trust him with some areas of our life, but not those areas of our lives, because in those areas of our lives, we'd rather trust the doctor, or we'd rather trust the culture, or we'd rather trust our prescription, or we'd rather trust the economy, or we'd rather trust our friends, or we'd rather trust our therapy, we'd rather trust whomever. But at some point, your there will be required, remember? At some point, all of your devotion and all of your following that's under your control, God is going to come by and he's going to ask you to join us. And when he says join us, he's going to talk to you about there. See, I know this because I've lived this. It took me over four years to trust God enough to start believing. This church uh, is not some church that has existed for 150 years. <laughs> this church is uh, not the rename of some church that existed and had money and a building and people. Like, no, 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 no. This, this church, when we started it, there was nothing. No body, no money, <laughs> no, no nothing. And the primary reason it took me more than four years from the time that the Spirit of God began to disturb my heart till we actually took practical steps to do this thing was security. Security particularly around finances. See, money was very unstable in my childhood. A lot of stress and a lot of distress regarding the topic of money. And... I've been on my own since I was 17 years old. And when I say on my own, completely on my own. And after a few years of, you know, honestly feeling like I was drowning, I experienced some level of stability. I mean, right after my freshman year of Bible college being in seminary, uh, on top of valeting, I was also hired at the church I was attending. I ended up serving there for, for years, seven or eight years, part-time roles, then ultimately full-time roles, then you know, being a part of the pastoral staff and the executive leadership team. And it was, a, it was a very, very large church. And being there brought stability, stability relationally, stability financially, stability in, in, in like career and trajectory. And I enjoyed that. Then like... We, we sensed God calling us to go somewhere else. And we went to a place and it was, it was, uh, it was, there were a few hundred people at the time, but it was not near as stable as where I had been. But over the course of several years, we were a part of seeing that thing grow from a few hundred people to a few thousand people. And in that journey, we experienced more and more and more stability because all these people were being hired after us and behind us and by us and because of, and like I experienced this, so I got, I got comfortable in this stability. But I found myself burdened. Burdened to trust God completely. And worried about what would happen if I did. Maybe that's you today. Maybe over these weeks, the Holy Spirit has been speaking to you about your own generosity. Because you know, <laughs> you, you know if you give or if you don't give. You know if you tithe or if you don't tithe. If you, if you give uh, consistently or if you give every once in a while. 
You know what you, you, you know. You don't even have to check. You don't need a record. You know. We all know, right? And maybe, maybe the, the struggle that I felt, you feel today. Burden to trust God completely. You see what God is doing. And you believe in the mission. And you believe in the vision. And you believe in God. But it, don't ask for there. And he keeps asking for there. He keeps saying, I want to show myself to you, through you, there. But you're worried about what will happen if you do. Well, can I tell you my testimony? Because, yes, it took more than four years. But ultimately, we did. Here's my testimony. Thus far, the Lord has helped us. And that's true. Thus far, the Lord has helped us. God has provided for this church. God has provided for my family over and over and over again. In the last three years, we've served more than 3,000 kids Christmas toys for free. Thus far, the Lord has helped us. In the last uh, three and a half years, we have moved from renters of this building to owners of this building. Thus far, the Lord has helped us. We had an organization that doesn't even believe God, isn't even founded on like biblical principles. They're just a just a, a community service organization. Hand us a check to be able to buy a house that we had a vision for. Didn't have a website for, didn't have a 501c3 for, but had a vision for. They handed us a check for and said, we believe in you. Even though I had had other people in church leadership in other spaces laugh at me in my face when I tell them the burden that God had put in our, in our heart to create quality affordable housing. For single moms. My testimony is this. Is it scary? Yes. But thus far, the Lord has helped us. Generosity is the habits of trusting God completely. And there's one last addition to this that I must make sure is clear. Generosity is the habit of trusting God completely financially. Trusting God completely financially. I don't think that the Spirit of God is asking you to go out and sell everything you have. But He is asking you to trust Him completely financially. Because it's impossible to trust God completely if you don't trust Him financially. It's impossible. That was the story of this man. He trusted God with his relationships and he trusted God with his dealings and he was willing to follow the rules and do all this stuff, but he would not trust God with his money. And his unwillingness to trust Jesus with his money left him on the outside looking in. It left him sad. Jesus said, join us. And he said, I want to. But I won't trust God there. Generosity is the habit of trusting God completely, financially. Can I tell you the rest of my testimony? My testimony 
of walking through that fear, my testimony of, of finally surrendering and trusting God. Like thus far, the Lord has helped us. And here's the rest of my testimony. The fear that used to stop me, because that's what it did for four and a half years. It stopped me. The fear that used to stop me has become my strength. One of the primary reasons that outside organizations believe in us, they believe in Yellow House, they believe in this church, they believe in the work that we're doing, that is Christmas Palooza, or, or that is Meals for Kids, or is grocery drive throughs or is all the great work, that the tutoring work, the primary reason, and I've heard it over and over and over again, is they see a faith and a confidence that is not scared, but is willing to do whatever it takes to serve people in the place that God has put us, is not going to run and acquiesce to some safer part of town, some more affluent part of town, but says, no, 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 this is the place God has called us. This is the neighborhood we will build. This is the neighborhood we will serve. This is the neighborhood we will restore. And I don't care what the news is going to tell you. I don't care what your little Twitter feed is going to tell you. What we're going to do is we're going to be here for good. And if there's hungry people, we're going to feed them. And if there's kids that need tutoring, we're going to tutor them. And if there's kids that need toys at Christmas, we're going to partner with the parents to bless them. And we're going to continue to find ways to link arms and make, and we ain't backing down because we trust God completely financially. And now what's been years stopping me now, when I meet with business people, they celebrate the strength they see. It's not my strength. It's his strength in me. Friend, that's what I want for you today. I want you to make today the day you get in the habit of joining us and being generous. I don't know what that looks like for you, but I do know this. Everything that I have celebrated this week and everything we're going to celebrate next week. And next week, we're just going to celebrate. I'm going to tell story on story on story on story. Be, but like everything that God has done through us is because of the us that chooses to be generous right now. But there is so much more work to do. There are so many more families to be served. There are so many more people we could step into their lives. So many more kids, so many more opportunities. Will you join us? Or will you be content to sit in your chair and watch us and call it us, even though you know you ain't a part of us? See in your notes, stop wishing that you would and start testifying that you did. Because I ain't, I ain't disparaging those of you who sit on the sidelines right now. I told you that for four and a half years, I sat on the sidelines rather than step into the thing that God had burdened me to do. And if I could go back and change anything about my story, it would be that. I wouldn't have waited. I wouldn't have waited four years. I would have stepped in. You say, but God's timing. Yeah, but also my unwillingness to join him what he asked me to do.
join in today so that you'll have a testimony of what God did when you started trusting God completely financially. Because when you get in the habit, you start to see what generous does through us. It hits different when you walk into this facility here in a little over a month. And uh, the entire place has been turned into a Christmas party. And hundreds of families for multiple nights are able to come in and be celebrated and loved and get toys for their children for free. It's one thing to serve at that. It's one thing to wear the t-shirt. It's a whole other thing to actually realize, I help make this happen. See, there are going to be people who will serve with us during Christmas Palooza, and it's wonderful. We love them. We thank God for them. But they're showing up to get their Christmas feels, and that's fine. I understand. But they're going to go right back to the laze way of living life. And they're going to have some pictures and some memories and tell other people what they did. But here's what's true. They got to watch from the stands with some of us know the blood, sweat, and tears and prayer and sacrifice it took to make it. See, you'll, you'll, never, you'll never know the feeling. <laughs> you'll never know the joy of being part of us, the generous us, as long as you watch from afar. When you look up, and Yellow House has dozens of houses throughout this city. Say, dozens? Yeah. And I ain't talking about in 57 years. I'm talking about in the next year or two. See, there are people who prayed and people who give sacrificially and people who give consistently. Doesn't feel like much. Every once in a while, you know, every, every month I put in 50 bucks. Don't feel like we're going to really buy a house if I put in 50 bucks every month. But can I tell you, over time, you look back and you realize, oh, look what the Lord has done. When the church continues to grow, continues to reach more people, and, and our two services won't handle it, and three services won't handle it, and we expand, and there's, there's, there's people everywhere. You look, you, you realize you can either go, woo, isn't this neat for us, or you realize it was my prayer, it was my sacrifice, it was me giving when it was hard for me to give that made it possible for them to hear the good news of Jesus. Because, friend, the way we operate, is our vision is not up for sale. But the speed of the vision is always connected to the generosity of us. And that's why today I'm excited to begin our vision offering season. You say season, yes. Because today is our vision offering day. And there are many people in our church, many people who give consistently, who've come today prepared to give above their regular giving. They've sacrificed, they've saved, God bless them. They said, I'm bringing this, and that's incredible. But it's a season because, yes, everything given today is going towards our vision offering projects, our here for good projects this year. But 
everything marked for our vision offering from now to the end of the year, whether it's done through check or done online by giving through that particular donation field, will go to serve these projects, to be here for good. Specifically this year, it's about this facility in this neighborhood, because it matters. It matters that we provide quality space for people. It matters that we take care of this like we do and that we continually improve it. You know why? Because it's a testimony to people all around us. I talked with a business owner this week who owns the, the building on Avon over here. Back behind the Bank of America, there's a little strip center. They're the uh, El Sabor, some of you have maybe been to before to eat. Great Colombian food. Horn of Africa, there's a, I believe it's Ethiopian uh, food that is, that is served there. There's a K Bakery that's over there. There's a little nail salon, whatever. He was coming over here to talk to me about the fact that they're uh, selling Christmas trees. If you need a Christmas tree, you one of them get a real tree, Christmas tree people. Man, go talk to our guy. He's about to start selling them on Thanksgiving Day. Go get them from over there. But um, he had never been in this building before. And when we were standing outside talking, he, uh, he was talking about how great it looked and how it had motivated him, uh, you know, the work that we had done to take better care of the facility that he had there. And then he came in, and I mean, our building, some of you have been inside of here, it's not special, it's not ritzy, it's not fancy, but he just kept saying, wow. And the statement he kept making was, this is so good for this neighborhood. This is so good for this neighborhood. Y'all have done a great job. This is so good for this neighborhood. You know why? Because it communicates, here matters and it's been done and will continue to be done because the us grows so today that's my prayer and my call to you join us join us in building God's church here in the city join us in serving people in reaching people in being a blessing to people Join us in threading the needle and not holding so tightly to what it is we have that we don't do what God has called us to do. Let's thread the needle and follow Jesus fully into what he's calling us to do. Let's pray. Father, I love you. Thank you for today. Father, I pray you would challenge all of us to become generous and that that would not fall on deaf ears. We, it would not stay a challenge, but we would step into everything you've called us to do. We would give consistently. We would give sacrificially. We would hold nothing back and we would trust you completely financially for your glory and the good of people all around us. We pray all this in your precious name. And everybody said,